Kelly, so I saw this post on your Instagram this week of you basically like coming out of this trail and flying downhill. You look like you were actually running really, really fast, which actually kind of scared me for our um, swim run event, which we'll talk about later. But what the heck was that? It was the Dipsy Sarah. And I was trying to kick to the finish. And I totally mistimed it side point because everyone passed me back as we got into the shoot. And I just like started to vomit. But that's fine. Like literally vomit? <laughs> well, it like came up, you swallow it, whatever. But I completely mm-hmm. mistimed my kick. But someone got on video me kicking. And so it looks very impressive. It looks very impressive. Very impressive. But the part that I think is less impressive is I'm like kicking hard to pass like 70 year old men. <laughs> because the Dipsy, mm-hmm. which is our, it's our local race, it's a huge deal around here, but it's also the second oldest race in the US, oldest trail race. And one of the key things you need to know about the Dipsy is it's handicapped by age and gender. Interesting. So like a couple years ago, an eight-year-old girl won it. So a lot of years, it's like a 60-year-old woman, a 50-something-year-old woman. It just depends. So I get an eight-minute head start on the fast guys, on the youngest, fastest guys. And then the oldest people get, trying to add this up, a 17-minute head start on me. Okay. So you have to, so you're catching people as you're going and you're getting caught and you have to hold them off. And it is a race that goes up and over the side of Mount Tam. You end at the beach. Any route you want. You just Any have to route get you there. want. Right. So there is a consensus route. And since uh, this race is like 110 years old, there have been a- shortcuts that have been eliminated by the fact that people have built houses oh. since, <laughs> since the race started. You can't run through so someone's not, kitchen. You're not allowed to run through people's houses anymore. You're also not allowed to run through like protected environmental habitats anymore. So there's a li- like they've definitely cut down on the number like the things you're allowed to do and if you break the rules you get banned for life so don't wow. break the rules um, okay so, so yeah, how so far is any it route you want just give me an indication depends on how it's, it's seven and a half miles officially okay. my watch was seven because i took some shortcuts some people definitely it's a little shorter than that but it's also two thousand feet of elevation because you go up and over the mountain and it's crazy sarah at one point I was following a guy. I don't even know how we, I don't even know what trail, like we weren't on a trail. I was just following him and we were running full speed through bushes. Like, I think it was a deer path. Like you couldn't see ahead of you. You couldn't see where your feet were. You were just running full speed. And then he stopped and I was like, oh no, are we lost? And he was like, I think so. (laughs) And then I was like, well, whatever. And we just kept running full speed. And eventually we hit stairs and then we were like back on the course. And then you're running full speed down these (laughs) stairs and people crash. I mean, I've seen people run like straight into trees because you're just going so fast down, downstairs, down the side of a mountain. After you climb up the mountain, it's ridiculous. That sounds ridiculous. And this kind of concerns me for uh, the fact that I agreed to be your swim run buddy. Um, oh, right. So big announcement. Big <laughs> announcement, guys. I have accepted an application to replace my swim run partner. <laughs> I feel so lucky. I, I know. Privileged. And Sarah has agreed to do swim run with me in August in Maine. We're doing the official swim run USA across the Maine islands. So it worries me that because I suspect I have a sneaking suspicion, you might be a little better on the technical aspects than me. I think, I think the key here is that last week when I was trying to decide if I was going to run the dipsy or not, you told me to be smart. Mm. And I think probably none of these things are smart, Sarah. I think we're probably gonna have to throw that whole guiding philosophy out the window. True. 
true. I mean, the longest, okay, the longest I've run is 12 kilometers in the last. I don't know how far that is. That's. Uh, no, I do. A, know. a little <laughs> less than eight miles for those at home who don't want to do the math. And so I only have to do 20 miles during this race. So. Hmm. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be a bonding experience. And I think we're going to cover it, our entire, you know, our training process on the podcast after, you know, because we're going to take a little break soon for the end of season one, summer hiatus. And then when we come back, we'll cover, we will cover swim run, all the adventures. And also I I think it's kind of fun. The idea of like chronicling, like, I don't think I can understate like how unfit I kind of got where I was just basically jogging with my dog for like a year for like 45 minutes a day. That's my current state of fitness. So, but now I'm feeling motivated again and I'm kind of excited. So I thank you for that. Good. And also um, we need to learn orienteering side point Yeah, look, before August. <laughs> the fact that the race requires a compass also scares me. <laughs> okay. So coming up on the show, we announce a new, if we were riding team member, uh, we're going to ask why triathletes are willing to pay more for coaching. And is puberty really a problem for female runners? And from the newsletter, what's the deal with the athleisure industry? And folks, we know that you've missed her. Our favorite voicemailer is back. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code Riding at Askkicker Inc. Inc. with a K dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code Riding at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So we have a new team member, Kelly. Jessica. Yes. I'm calling her new Jessica. <laughs> That's true. Cause old Jessica was also on our team. That's right. So new Jessica, she's um, a librarian and an open water swimmer and she's from LA and she fits none of the stereotypes of a librarian, by the way. Um, but she does, she's going to do some editing for us and some social media for if we were writing and I feel really lucky to have her. So I just want to tell everyone that uh, if you see her on social media, she's called Jessica James. Uh, give her a shout out because she is amazing and she's now part of our team. I feel like we're growing our team. I feel like Live Feisty just keeps growing, expanding, doing great things. Great. I feel really lucky to have people who kind of like want to help, like who understand our mission of trying to, you know, grow women's voices, especially in triathlon and people who want to help out with that while I am still trying to build the business side and get all that taken care of. So feeling very lucky about that. So I've been saying, I thought we should talk about things in the podcast that we don't necessarily talk about in the newsletter or other places on Live Feisty. And one of the topics I've been thinking about a lot lately, 
and you have some thoughts is why triathletes are willing to pay so much money for because coaching true. or for just stuff Acro- in general well, across the well let's be real across the board right triathletes right. will will hand over the dollars but when you look at the market price for a running coach or even a cycling coach or a swimming coach versus a triathlon coach it's completely different like runners don't even want to pay a hundred dollars a month for a coach whereas i feel like the going rate for triathlons what 300 500 it depends on it uh, depends on who your coach is That's or true. your market i guess it might be totally different in canada i don't know yeah we're a little lo- on the lower end of the market but still you know like 200 i know coaches that charge 800 up here oh yeah no i know people that pay a thousand dollars a month which i think is a little bit insane i think so too yeah, it's hard to imagine. Although some of the coaches that I know who they're like pro coaches or elite coaches or right. CEO coaches, and they will literally hold the water bottle for you on their mountain bike while you do your long runs. And I and think like that. that comes down to one of the factors here is triathletes. There is a another level of handholding that happens of like concierge level service. They want you to be on demand all the time, answer their text messages wherever you are, anytime. I also think like that. Because, Kelly, triathlon is not just a sport. It's a lifestyle. Uh, is it? it? Well, and so hear me out. And so I do think there's, like, there's a little more that goes into triathlon coaching in terms of like trying to, you're trying to balance someone's life in a way that you probably wouldn't have to do with strict single sport coaching, right? And you're like talking to them. Sometimes you're talking to people every day, every couple days, checking the log to make sure they're not getting too tired. There's a, there's a little more finesse to it. I think running, most runners would say it's a lifestyle. Most runners feel very passionate about that. It's like a thing they do all the time, right? It's like part of their identity. I do think this is like a question of what the market will bear and triathlon. The market is just a little pricier. That's true. I do wonder like why sometimes why there's triathletes seem to have a lot of money. You hear that a lot. Oh, there's a lot of money in triathlon but actually like as we've talked about many times the industry is shrinking and the businesses don't seem to do that well and that often perplexes me i actually wrote a big story you know my big story i was working on forever about the future of triathlon retail oh yes and Mm -hmm. i talked to all the consultants yeah so it actually came out this month in triathlete magazine very nice yeah all about what triathlon is doing to deal with this shrinking market and i'm not actually convinced well, one, I'm not actually convinced it's as big a problem as people think it is. But two, that it's like the people with money leaving, I think, or that the people don't have money. I think it's that the people with money are choosing to do other things, right? Mm. Like they just, oh my God, sorry. Did you hear my cat crying that whole time? I did, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so now he has just jumped up on the railing and is going to fall off the porch. Okay. Side point. (laughs) If if that happens. So if that happens and we hear Kelly screaming, we'll uh, take a pause. (laughs) We won't let Kelly's cat die for the recording. Oh, he'll be fine. Anyway, so I'm up and down on the whole, like, do triathletes have money? What will the market bear? How do we fix triathlon question? Because I don't think it's as simple as oh, you just need to, you know, do X differently. I think there's like a lot of, a lot of issues. I agree. There's a multi-layered approach required. Oh, and one of the things that is happening is the Outspoken Summit. Oh, well, there you go. At which we will address some of these questions. Our Women in Triathlon Summit. (laughs) Outspokensummit.com. Hashtag sponsored. (laughs) Sponsoring myself. One of the things I do think we should talk about, and it was in the newsletter, Mm -hmm. and since we're talking about women, 
is the whole female athlete progression plateau spectrum thing. Okay. There's an article. The New York Times article, right? In the New York Times article. Okay. That was about the next great female high school phenomenon. And how is she going to deal? What do they call it? They called it cruel twist. How will she address the cruelest twist, which is that 14 year old girls hit puberty and they put on boobs and they put on hips and they get a little bit slower often. And that's and, and like, and that's apparently that's the, the cruel cruel twist, twist is becoming woman. Yeah, right. I guess that's the coolest. Well, twist. this is it. Like, that's what I read that article. I thought, oh my gosh, it felt like a throwback to 15 years ago when I heard this conversation about like where, where the timeline and expected improvement was based on male athletes, right? Who are, right. have a more linear progression to from like childhood to adulthood sport, right? So it's like, but girls go through this crazy puberty like in a different way. And then they like sometimes they just have a different path basically, but because we're seeing the norm as boys and men, it just seemed like a very strange way to frame that conversation. And I thought we were past that, like almost culturally. Of course we're not past that. I, I felt like we were past that, like where we need to, you know, treat female athletes, you know, take them at face value and that they have their own different things. Well, okay. In all fairness, it is a real thing, right? That a lot of girls do get slower in their late teens, right? Like that is, I, it happened to me. Maybe it didn't happen to you. It happens, but it happens to a lot of people. It's a real thing. And so I, I get that that's like a, oh shit, this is a problem because it's not like the goal is to get slower, right? The goal is to continually get faster. So I get why this is a question. Obviously the frame, like, obviously that's maybe not the right question. Maybe the question is like, how do you shape the progression? How, like, maybe you just need to think about it differently. Well, yeah. Instead of talking about it like that, like, what are we going to do about this problem? Right? Like how about, <laughs> this problem of becoming <laughs> a woman, problem of becoming a woman. Exactly. <laughs> like, why don't we see it as, okay, look, like all of the good female runners now who are adult women have gone through this. Like, it's not like we, it's not like also, there's also, a fair point would be that all the world records are set by adult women. They're not set by 14 year old girls. So like, clearly you get faster in life as you become a woman, you get more, you get stronger, you get healthier, you get like a greater aerobic capacity. You just like, it's just a different progression to get there. Right. right. Like I would rather that a 16 year old girl was sitting there going, okay, I might be getting a little sl slower right now, but just you wait boys, because I'm coming for you. Right. You know, like that we had a better narrative around this situation, um, which I think is what a lot of people thought, obviously, because there was a lot of pushback to that article. I also seriously wondered, and this gets back to something that comes up over and over again. I wondered if it would have been a different article if a female writer had written it. And this week gets back to the stories we tell and how they are different by who is the storyteller and that that matters. And when you have a diverse group of people telling the stories and being the gatekeepers, it changes how we perceive things. Right. Right. And that would certainly, that would be part of the solution as well. Like if we had the stories of a plethora of female runners and how they got through this and those stories were known and how they got through puberty and still got faster. Um, and those stories were well known, like kind of like culturally or even in running culture. Then I don't think th that whole question would change because we would just all kind of that would seem, quote unquote, normal. And the question would become up. I mean, I think if you also there are also a lot of stories out there about girls who tried to <laughs> delay puberty, hold it off, like not eat. And they had stress fractures. They were fatigued all the time. They got hurt. They got injured. Right. Like we know right. those things to be true, too. And so those don't those don't often get as much publicity. I mean, they are now, right. but still.
Yeah. Well, obviously we still have to chip away at it because the New York Times didn't get the memo. Sometimes the New York Times lately, I'm like, they ran a story on the Dipsy this week too, FYI, everybody, because the New York Times columnist ran it. And I always love reading mainstream news stories about things you know a lot about because you're like, oh, his story was actually really good. But I do always think it's funny when people cover like triathlon and you're like, oh, honey, we don't, we don't, what do they always say? Run a triathlon. We don't run a triathlon. We don't don't run a triathlon. Buddy. Okay. So also from the newsletter, I want to follow up about this because you talked about the athleisure industry, which is kind of funny, but also we have this, I know what you'd say, like there are strong ties between cultural change and women's clothing. And I think it's a really interesting topic. Well, so the athleisure industry, which is a terrible name, and I feel like we don't even know what we're going to call it, but it's no longer a question of if it's a thing, right? We a couple of years ago, I was doing all this reporting and writing stories about, oh my God, like there's all these new women's apparel companies. There's all these new women's sports companies. Why does Nike have like a huge new women's department, right? Like whether or not this was around a stick was a big question. And now I feel like we're like, okay, it's this huge business. Companies want to attract female athletes. Companies want to serve women. This whole like athleisure fitness clothing is a thing. But to me, what's interesting now is that it is true that fashion is always a reflection of like cultural norms, you know, like whether or not you have to cover up your whole body is a, is a cultural norm. Like whether or not you have to show up in power heels and pencil skirts is a cultural right. norm. Or like whether women are allowed to show their ankles right. or their knees or their long hair or any of those things going back. So is this a shift in a cultural norm where we are accepting that women want to be comfortable more often that they want functional clothes? Does it go hand in hand with the fact that like we talked about, what is it a month ago? Fewer women are wearing high heels than like ever before. Is this an overall cultural shift thing or is it just, you know, a blip, Sarah? And then we'll be over it know. and we'll be back to power suits next month. I would like to think it's a cultural shift. Okay, I bet you would. Um, I think it's like, okay, I think of so for me being the historian, right? Like I love, I think immediately of like Alicia Bloomer and the bicycle and like i'll actually alicia bloomer was not the first one to like basically take off her skirt and ride a bicycle in her bloomers in the 1890s as some people think but she was actually the first one to publicize it so she's one of my faves because she started like the first feminist newspaper (laughs) uh right before the turn of the century so she was a journalist like you but then she also just like took off her skirt and rode her bike so i love her but i i think that those like the women, like women riding bicycles, going out, meeting to talk about how they're going to organize to get the vote. Like these things are all super intertwined. And I would love to think that that, that we're also kind of in a cultural moment where women are becoming more active. We're owning our bodies more. We like to go between work and play more easily. I want to believe. You want to believe that? Um, I think that's probably true. I think there's like some degree amount to hopefully we're not going to go back, right? I'm not going to start wearing heels anytime soon. Like that's not going to happen. Likewise. But I do also like we're venturing into a field. I don't know that much about fashion, but I have also heard some fashion critics and like top, I were talking top end fashion that'll trickle down in like a couple years to the rest of us talk about how what they're wearing and what they're seeing, what the big thing is now is like, clothes that hide a woman's body like long skirts flowing stuff things that don't like aren't tight and what does that mean and I think that's actually an interesting point what does that mean so I'm 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 curious I'm like it where we're going from here you know 
Yeah, I'm curious too. Okay, did, have you heard of the wrap dress from the 70s? Well, yeah, everyone's heard of a wrap dress. Okay, which just totally amuses me because it's like the, <laughs> the dress was like kind of like sleek and cool for the office, right? Right. But it also like didn't have any buttons or anything. So like it came off very easily if you were like, having an office fling at lunchtime. Which is obviously why it was invented, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, clothes, um, my mom, ooh, maybe she'll have a voicemail about this. My mom was a costumer, and so we always had all these, like, history of fashion books around. Um, and so I do find, like, how clothes have adapted and changed for our demands. Interest. And so athleisure may sound stupid, and it is a little bit stupid, and it is just capitalism trying to feed on our own desires. But it might be like a larger, larger societal shift here. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful about that. I actually, I also think that the clothes will get nicer and better. Well, they are. Way, there are like high options. end. Yeah. I mean, there are now like a lot of different options, right? You can buy like Forever 21 and H&M stuff, which I've done. Or you can have like super high end top level, like $200 tights that you wear everywhere. You know, true. It's true. a thing. It's a thing. Okay, so stay tuned, folks, because after the break, doo -doo -doo, <laughs> Kelly's mom is back. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at Ass Kicker Inc., Inc. with a K, dot com, and Crave Jerky, crave with a k.com if you don't already follow us on all the social medias at if we were riding on instagram facebook and twitter and make sure you subscribe to our feed on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts if we were riding is hosted by kelly o'mara and me sarah gross our fabulous editor is aaron hamilton time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real and I'm feeling so ruthless. Hi Kelly, hi Sarah. I was just thinking about athleisure and the whole sort of how judgy the world of clothing is. Who's allowed to wear tights as pants and how you have to have shoes with closed toes if you're going to be a professional and how heavy people aren't supposed to wear tight clothes. Oh, there's just all of it. It's so judgy, 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 judgy. This past weekend, my little niece, who's two, was here. And as they were getting ready to leave at the end of the day, her mom said, let's go put on your comfy pants for the drive home. And she went and put on her little stretchy red, white, striped pants. And I thought, well, why wasn't she wearing comfy pants the whole day? In fact, why aren't all of us wearing comfy pants the whole day? <laughs>